This is Stephanie Nelson, host of the Pivotal People podcast. We have great conversations with all kinds of interesting people who are making a difference in the world. Follow us and leave a review if you like this episode so that more people can find us. Thanks for listening. Well, welcome to Jonathan Evans. Jonathan has agreed to be on the Pivotal People podcast because he's an extremely pivotal person. He's come out with a great book. We're going to talk about that, but I want to tell you a little bit about Jonathan. He is lots of things. He's a father of five kids. He works with his father, Tony Evans, at Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship. He also works with an initiative called the Urban Alternative And he is the sports chaplain for the Dallas Cowboys and Mavericks. Uh, There's a really incredible story there. He has just written this fabulous book, which I have read and highlighted. I've taken notes. I'm going to read it twice. It is so good. It is called Fighting Your Battles, Every Christian's Playbook for Victory. And in reading this, he opens up the book with something that his father said. He said, everybody has some kind of battle. And his father told him, you're either in a battle, you're on your way to a battle, or you just came out of one. And I think that's super timely with uh, what we've all been dealing with for the past couple of years. So I want to stop talking and let Jonathan tell you all about himself and this book. So welcome, Jonathan. Great to be here, Stephanie. Thank you for having me. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background, which obviously led to the idea of writing this book? Yeah, and so you mentioned a little bit of it. I'm uh, Dr. T- many of you know, many people may know Dr. Tony and Lois Evans, my parents who have been in ministry for a very long time. And I just come from a, a ministry family. My sister Priscilla, Crystal, Anthony, all in ministry. And so we've learned and gone through uh, the ups and downs that uh, come with that, just in life in general. Um, all of the things that we've gone through uh, recently with uh, the loss of our mother, loss of our granddad mm-hmm. at the same time and the loss of uh, others and battling through that and having to really connect to our faith. And so it's been like that um, for my wife and my five children. Yes, that's right. I do have five children, <laughs> 13 to three. So I'm in the middle of the woods, Stephanie, with no navigation, just trying to figure <laughs> this thing out. But just the things that you face in life, you know, Jesus didn't lie to us in John 16, 33, when he said, in this world, you will have trouble. And so whether it's family or whether it's loss or whether it's uh, uh, grief or heartache, pains, uh, they come to us all. And what we need to learn is that we're not in the Lord's army for nothing. It's an army for something, that there are battles to be faced, uh, even though the war is already won. And so I wanted to talk about that, dive into it. And that's what I was able to do in this book. What I appreciate about the book is it's really easy to understand and you have a lot of really great examples. And I think when I read it with a highlighter and I kept highlighting so many things because it's as if you are, well, you are, you're speaking to the reader. And as I'm reading it, I am in your book. Like, how did he know what I was thinking? How did he know? So I think you've, you've hit on a really common chord for all of us. There are so many things that you talked about, you know, the main message, the main message of the book you said is all about just depend on God. All your battles belong to him. And that really hit me to say, wait, all your battles belong to him. Why am I holding on so tightly to this thing that he can handle so much more? And you're really speaking from personal experience. I am sorry. You said you had lost seven close family members in the past couple of years. And that's many of us have been through that. I know how hard that is. So good for you for writing a book to help the rest of us while you were in the middle of your own stuff. Yes, now, that's not easy. 
Absolutely. It was a hard thing uh, to go through. And what I learned is God doesn't waste anything. He uses everything. And as long as I'm here and as long as we're here and have breath, God wants to use us the way that he made us. And he puts in the pot all of our experiences, all of, all of our heartache, our pain, our abilities, our opportunities, all of those things go into a pot of our lives to cook up something that's going to be useful for other people to taste and grow from. And so I think that we have to remember that if it's not good yet, God's not done yet, because he makes all things work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. And so even though it was hard and it was painful, my mom always told me and reminded me that God will use your greatest misery and turn it into your greatest ministry. Oh, wow. And and we have to be able to recognize that so that we're uh, become good stewards of what's coming our way. And one of the things that you mentioned is, is, you know, giving it to the Lord. The Bible is clear that the battle is not yours, it's the Lord's. And so what really happens to us is we become owners of the battle and not stewards of the battle. And once you become an owner, you're bearing a burden that you don't have the strength to carry. And so many people have believed the the old adage, God will not put more on you than you can bear. No, God will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. And trials and temptations are two different things. If you ask Job, I'm sure it was too much for him to bear. Uh, Moses was saying, this is too big of a, an opportunity for me to, to handle. There were a lot of people in the Bible. Gideon didn't feel great about going against thousands with 300. There were a lot of people in the Bible who God put on them more that they can handle themselves so that they would learn the importance of depending on God, the only one who actually can fight and win. Well, and in your bio, it talks about, and I also looked online, you are a powerful speaker. You speak to many groups and the reviews of, I would love to find, do you have a YouTube channel? I would love to find. I do, do, Jonathan Blake Evans. And so I have a YouTube channel with uh, YouTube short and videos of uh, some of my sermons that I've done. And I'm actually in a series right now at our church, which will go up soon. So there's there's quite a bit of content there. Well, we're going to put that in the show notes because I want everyone to read this book. But in addition to reading the book, I just think you're full of great wisdom. I um, wrote some things down and you're going to say it better than I am, but you talked about kind of your unexpected path with football and what that led to. And as I read your story, I thought, wow, you couldn't have been, this applies to so many of us. We couldn't have anticipated the beginning when we start something that we really think we want to do, how many more people you ended up impacting in ministry as a result of what happened to you. So I'm going to be quiet. Could you share that story? Oh, yeah. So uh, my football career is one of the bigger stories uh, in my life. I wanted to play football. I actually wanted to be like Michael Jordan. Uh, I wanted to play basketball and then I actually had two knee surgeries in high school. And the doctor told me, you can't play basketball anymore, but you can play football, which I thought was weird. But it was really about the surface. The, the basketball surface was so much harder than grass. And so I switched over to football and then from there fell in love with football. And I went to Baylor and played at Baylor University. And then my my dad told me, what do you want to do next? I said, well, I want to go to the NFL. And so I went on to the NFL and things when I got there started falling apart. Up until that point, it had been easy for me to get on the field. It had been easy to play. You know, this is what I wanted to do with my life. And so I got to the NFL, got cut by the Cowboys, and then I got sent to NFL Europe. And so things weren't uh, going in the direction I wanted them to go the way that I wanted them to go. And so you know, in my immaturity, I decided, well, I guess I'm done. I should hang it up. And the moment that I was trying to hang up my cleats is that the moment that God told me to keep going. My dad pressed me and he said, son, it's too early. 
you can't give up now. Plus a flight got canceled. There's a lot of nuances there that you can get, you know, in the book. There's a lot of ways that I knew God was keeping me there. But I ended up asking the question, okay, God, uh, this has been too much of a burden for me. I've been shipped off all over the place. It's not going the way I want it to go. Why do you have me here? And so because it was hard, it made me turn my attention to God when I had been totally a narcissist and only thinking about how I feel, the way, why am I here? What am I going through? So I was totally looking at myself. And then I turned and was more objective in my approach to ask the Lord, what do you want from me? And he said, I want you to stay there and I want you to chaplain that team. Mm. So as a player, I went through the season in NFL Europe, a place where I didn't know the language. You know, it was just white walls and white sheets. I mean, it's just one of those isolated areas where God gave me a clear word. I want you to chaplain that team. So guys started calling me Rev. You know, that was my nickname. (laughs) Seven players accepted Christ. Guys were coming to my room to get marriage counseling, just to, to get some spiritual guidance. So that's what I did while playing football. So transition, when I come back to the NFL, things still weren't working out as a player, but I was kind of still doing my spiritual thing. So then I retired and was kind of sad down and out that I was done playing the game. And uh, I got a call uh, to come back to the Dallas Cowboys. And so I was excited, but they said, we don't want you to come back as a player. We want you to come back as the chaplain. And for the last 11 years now going on this season, For the last 11 years, I've been the chaplain for the Dallas Cowboys. And so God used the pain of my failure to be the catapult to my faith and what he would call me to do uh, in my purpose. And so I've been doing it ever since. And so God used the misery for the ministry. And uh, as I said, I cannot imagine how many more people you have impacted as a result of obviously helping lead them to Christ. I'm one of those people who doesn't understand football. It is way too smart for me. I mean, my son's played football. My husband watches it. He played football. So, but I do like to watch it because it seems like they're having a lot of fun. Uh, <laughs> I'll show up for the Super Bowl. So as the chaplain, I can't imagine, you, you told a neat story in your book. Could you share this about the kind of tradition in football where people will move their locker next to a person who they could learn from? Well, that's a great metaphor for life. Yeah, um, Absolutely. Uh, When you look at accountability and getting to the other side, getting through things and becoming better. um, I remember there was a player named John Kitna who came to the Dallas Cowboys. He was a backup quarterback for Tony Romo at the time. And he's a strong Christian guy. And, you know, they would be playing their music. He would turn up his music, you know. And so he kind of created this, this is who I am atmosphere. But guys watched him. Uh, They had had so many people who professed faith to come into the locker room and be cultural that they had their eyes on someone who would be this loud to see if his life would be as loud as his music. And it was. He established himself as a spiritual leader on the team. And literally, guys were trying to figure out how they can change their locker to get close to where he was, Hmm. uh, John Kittner, so that they could learn from him, so that they could get advice from him. Because they were trying to figure out, how is your marriage like this? They were trying to figure out, how is your mental stability like this? How is your faith like this? How can you go through a storm like this? They didn't understand it. And so they wanted to go to a strong place to find a rock when they were going through a storm. And I think that it's important for everybody to know that you want to find the rock when you're going through the storm. And the rock is God's word. Yes, biblically through his pages, but also God's people who are living a rock lifestyle based on the rock of his word. And so 
I think it's important for us to find that rock in order to be steady when it starts pouring rain. Well, you talked about exactly that. You talked about as Christians for our lives to tell our story. You said if you have to tell people you're a Christian, you're probably not doing it right. And isn't that the truth, right? That's exactly I mean, right. That's exactly right. It's the truth. If, uh, if you say you play for a team, but nobody knows who it is and you're supposed to be having on the uniform, then you're not guilty. You should be guilty. If someone uh, charged you of being a Christian, we should all be guilty instead of innocent of those charges. And I think that it's hardest to be a Christian in a crisis. I think it's hardest to be a Christian in a crisis. And that's what we have to learn how to do, because that's how um, we experience triumph. And that is, in your experience, you know, before you were ever the chaplain, you were attracting people to the faith. That's the exciting thing for me. Like this, this book, you're talking about the reality of, okay, we all go through trials and tribulations, and what are we going to do with that? And we can, as you said, you turned it around and you made it a powerful experience that, you know, the whole thing in Romans about what is it? Suffering leads to perseverance. Perseverance leads to character. Character leads to hope. But when people actually see that, they see that happen in someone's life, that's when they get interested. You talk so much about, and I'm looking at your chapter called More Than a Believer. And that's really what it is. You know, more it's easy to say you believe in Christ, but being a disciple, you know, living it and having people say, what is it about your marriage? What is it about your mental stability? That is making a difference. And that to me is what's exciting. I mean, if we can get to the point where I said today to a friend, God never wanted all these walls and all these churches to divide us. You know, I have a, I have a friend who says, you might know Bob Goff. People say to him, what church do you belong to? And he says, our church, That's our right. church, <laughs> you know, let's not put up these walls. So as you were writing this book, you talk so much about, okay, like from safe to faith. I loved that concept. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's Matthew 14 when Peter was uh, in trouble with all the disciples, you know, that God told him to go to the other side and they get into uh, a storm and they get caught in a storm being obedient. I think it's important for everybody to understand um, that they were being obedient when they got caught in a storm. That just because you're in a storm or going through a hard time doesn't mean that uh, you're being punished. Sometimes your storms are evidence that you're following Christ. And, and here they are in this storm in the boat trying to hold on for dear life. And they see Jesus walking on the water. And initially they think it's a ghost. The translation for ghost there means distorted reality. So they're looking at the truth coming towards them. And the truth looks like a distortion because of the lens they're looking through. You see, a lot of times when we're looking through the darkness and we're looking through the storm and we're looking through the loss and we're looking through the pain, the truth will look like a distortion, not because the truth is a distortion, but because of the storm that we're in. Our emotions are distorted. Our thought patterns are distorted. Uh, the things that we're thinking and, and going through are distorted. How we're feeling and, and uh, interpreting the situation is distorted. It's not the truth that's distorted. And so once they recognize through the storm that it was Jesus, once they recognize, okay, you know what? I need to settle in that this is the truth. Jesus says one word. He says, come. That's it. That's all he said to Peter was come. And that word is the hinge 
of our experience with Jesus Christ. That word is the hinge to our Christianity. That word is the hinge to everyone who comes to Jesus, believing on him for the forgiveness of sins, that he has come, but you must come in order to partner in that experience of all that he has done. And so once you move from being safe to faith, that is Peter got out of the boat. In other words, Peter went from safe in the humanistic environment to let me just hold on for dear life to know, let me actually take steps towards the truth. Let me actually take steps towards Jesus. Let me actually take biblical steps in my pain and sorrow and what I'm going through based on what the word of God is saying to me, even though I'm distorted, even though it's tough, even though the storm didn't stop, let me walk a certain way. And when Jesus says, come, he's saying, walk towards me. Let your life be a representation. Let your life be a light. Let your life show off the truth, even in the middle of the storm, because that's when people will realize everybody else in the boat who didn't walk, walk out. Oh, this must be the truth. Because once Peter decided to believe what Jesus said, come, once he walked by faith and not by sight, he was able to do something that no one could ever do. He was able to walk on water. When you come to Jesus, you ought to be able to do things that you couldn't do without him. You ought to be able to break from the addiction you couldn't break without him. You ought to be able to heal a marriage that you couldn't heal without him. You ought to be be able to make a comeback from a setback that you couldn't do without him. In other words, when you come to Jesus and you walk in truth, even in the middle of the storm, your emotions can settle when they couldn't settle without him. And so that's the experience that you get with Jesus when we go from safe, our human way of covering uh, ourselves to faith, God's way of covering us. And I think that that's important for us to realize that you're not safe when you're not walking by faith. It's scary to walk by faith, but that's the safest you'll ever be. I love that. And in your book, you talk a lot about that, about the how emotions can cloud the truth. And isn't, I mean, that you just talked about um, putting your faith in God is settles your emotions even though it doesn't make sense. So we're just walking one step at a time, right? I had a friend who said, I know who I'm following and I know the next step, but I don't know the whole path, right? right. So we just have to take like one step at a time. You also talked, first of all, um, we're not going to be able to cover this entire book in this conversation. So people, you need to get this book. I have lots of notes. We're not even touching on all of them, but Jonathan, what a pastor you are. I'm hanging on every word you're saying. You also talked about page 164, the difference between being a Christian and a disciple. I thought that was interesting. I'm going to read this to you. You said, this is the difference between a Christian and a disciple. A Christian believes in Jesus. A disciple believes and follows Jesus with his or her actions and decisions. You can look at a true disciple's life and know that this person believes in Jesus without them saying a word. This is what we talked about. Christians, on the other hand, often have to tell you or you wouldn't ever know. So when we talk about, you're talking about the chapter is called Building for the Forecast. I'd love to hear you elaborate on that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a disciple, my dad would always say a disciple is a visible verbal follower of Jesus Christ. Uh, 85% of Americans, maybe a little bit less now, uh, claim to be Christian. But we know that we're coming from a culture in the past that had a lot of Christendom connected to it. In other words, 
there was a, a lot of uh, Christian morals and values that kind of permeated in our society and people adopted those morals and values a, um, a base level belief in God and in Jesus Christ, um, a respect for the Bible, at least as a rabbit foot for life. And so we had that kind of dynamic um, that is getting less and less as time goes on. But that's disciples are different because Jesus would often give parables to the crowds, but he would give the mysteries to the disciples. And there were a lot fewer people that would show up for the mysteries than that would show up for the parables or show up for the miracles. And I think a lot of people think that just because they show up for the parables on Sundays, that that means they're a disciple on Monday. And those two things don't go together. A disciple is someone who doesn't have to say a word and they speak as loudly as you've ever heard someone speak because their life is consistent. Their life is biblical. They honor God, even though not perfect. They're like David. They serve the purposes of God and they have a heart um, after God and it permeates its way through every area of life, even battles, even hardships, trials, and and tribulations, that they're able to walk through it because they are walking with Jesus Christ. And there are moments, just like Peter did, where he denied Jesus because of fear. There are moments where where he, he took a step back, but he came back and he made his relationship whole and then kept taking those steps to move forward, even though he experienced hard times. And so I think it's important because God has asked us to build a foundation and we build a foundation uh, like Matthew 7 talks about the man who built his house on the rock versus the man who built his house on sand. They both wanted to build a life. They both wanted to build a family. They both wanted to build a ministry, but only one built it on the foundation of God's word. The other one built it just because that's what people do. We build lives, we build ministries, we build families, we uh, we go to church. You know, that's what people do. But we didn't really build our life on a rock. And you never know who the real Christians or disciples are until a storm comes. Once a storm shows up, that lets you know what foundation, what they built was resting on. Once a storm shows up, that lets you know, oh, okay, that's the disciple. And that's the Christian here because the storm lets you know, because the storm makes evident what was resting underneath. And so I think it's important for us to build. Oh, and watch this, uh, Stephanie. I think it's important to note that you cannot fix a foundation in a storm. Mm. The storm will reveal your foundation. But while the storm is going, you can't then jump in and try to fix the foundation. A lot of people jump into fixing things when things get bad. Now, you need to already have your foundation laid. So if you haven't gotten into a storm yet, plan on it. (laughs) (laughs) Like your dad said. You have to build like it's coming. In Galveston and certain places where you're close to water, they build on stilts because they already know when the storm comes, I want to have a foundation that's ready so that I don't get flooded. And so I think that it's important for us to note to build ahead of time, because when it comes, you want to be resting on something solid. Well, and you talked in your book about, let's talk about building a foundation. You talk a lot. This is my pet topic. I love it. About spending time in the Bible. Okay. So how can, so many of us are almost like Christian fans, you know, like we, we talk about Jesus a lot. We, you know, talk about God, but how, uh, I think the key is sitting down with God, getting to know God better, just the two of us. And that is the Bible. And, you know, it's a living, breathing book. 
every time you open it, it says something different to you, even if you've read the same passage over and over again. So you are the pastor. So will you talk to us about the power of that in yeah, building the foundation? Word is, is sufficient for all things. And so what I want to say as a practical point on how to read the Bible, a lot of people will just flip open the Bible and say, okay, I guess God wants me to read Jeremiah. They don't really know where to go, uh, for what reason or why. And I think this is why uh, books and external resources based on what you're facing and what you're going through are a really good way to dive into the Bible because what like fighting your battles is going to do is it's going to talk about topics and have all of these biblical references. So when I read an external resource, I have the Bible sitting right next to me so that when I'm reading something I'm going through and dealing with something or need advice about what I'm dealing with, I can use those biblical references to take me to the Bible so that I can find out exactly what the Bible says about the issue that I'm facing. Mm -hmm. This is the way that you arm yourself versus general reading. You have general reading where you can open up and say, you know what, I want the best advice for my life. Well, then you open up the, the Bible to Proverbs. You know what, I want to just worship God even in the middle of my lament. Well, then you can open up uh, the Bible to Psalms. You know what, uh, so, so there are some general readings where you can get different things from different books of the Bible. But if you're going through something specific, you can also um, outside of the general reading, get specific biblical Bible-based resources that are based on what you're specifically going through. And then you read it with the Bible next to you so that you can cross-reference it with scripture so you can know exactly what the Bible is telling you to do in your specific situation based on what you're going through. And so there are many methods to Bible study, uh, to studying the Bible, but those general based on books of the Bible or people, their lives, theology, the study of God, or external resources that are specific like this, if you're fighting a battle, that can tell you what to do for your specific challenge. Mm -hmm. Well, I certainly rely on reading pastor's books like yours, because it is so helpful, as you said, not only in directing us to the verse, but a number of times in your book, you explain the Bible story in a way that I can understand. You know, if you read it directly from the Bible, lots of times amateurs like us, we don't really understand what that means. But you can explain the story and relate it to another part of the Bible. And then the whole thing makes sense. And what I love about that is that those people in those stories come alive and then we can relate to who they are. It doesn't matter how many thousands of years ago it was. We all still have the same problems. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. We're starting in the same way in a, in a different culture. Well, I just want to thank you so much for your time. I'm so excited to share this book with my friends and family, my sons. It's a great book for people who love sports because you have so many sports analogies. But even for people like me who don't really understand sports, it's okay. You make it easy enough to understand. So I wish you luck with this book. I know it's going to be a huge success. And we will have in our show notes a link to where you can buy the book, a link to your YouTube page, and some of your other resources. Thank you so much. Yeah, no doubt about it, Stephanie. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening today. We hope you're inspired. And if you like the episode, please take a moment to go to your podcast platform and follow us and leave a review so more people can find us. Now go out and be the pivotal person that you are.